Hey, welcome back to another episode of Let's Build Church. My name's Rich Martin, and today I had the real privilege of being able to speak on a microphone with a really good friend of mine, Dave Niblock. And I've worked with Dave now for a number of years, and I've always loved our chats and conversations around church building. And that's because Dave's just got, I think, a really unique way of describing how he is operational and how he works in building church. And today I really took into chatting to him about the concept of church leaders and church builders using physical space for their worship. And what do you do? Do you buy a building? Do you not buy a building? Do you go for a really smart building and try kit it out to the nines? Or do you just go for a building that will do for the time being? And Dave's got great thinking and great take on it. Uh, And then I also talked to him as well about raising his family because this is me interviewing Dave. I think he is four or five weeks into having twins on top of already having two great boys. And so he's gone from two kids to four kids. And this is him still pouring out his wisdom. So let's jump straight in to the conversation with Dave Niblock. Okay, great. I'm here with Dave, Dave Niblock. Great friend. Thank you, Dave, for being with us in your office. I know. Well, this is exciting, Rich, to be part of your podcast. I know. And to give anyone who's listening an idea, I'm actually looking at Dave and he's got massive headphones on his head. We've never had a conversation like this, but we're going to jump straight in. If you could talk us through, Dave, we've known each other for, I don't know, 15 years? Many, many years when you were cheeky little youth pastor over all around the world, but especially in York. <laughs> in, in a church called Global. Yes, it was. In York. It was. Um yeah, so I've seen a little bit of your journey or a big part of it, especially at Life Church. If you could explain, I would love to tuck in today and look at buildings physically and what buildings do for churches, how they enhance and help churches. But I think it'd be really good if people knew your context of Dave, Abs Niblock, the whole story there. You know, just give us a few kind of things there to help people know who you are and how you've kind of essentially got here at Life Church Leeds in this building that we're talking in now. Yeah, sure. So I was brought up in Leicester with my parents who were pastors of an Assemblies of God church. So I was there all my life. So I was brought up very much in a local church environment and setting things I liked about it, things that I probably didn't like about it and didn't understand at the time. Um, Never really had a desire to build church full-time, long-term. It was kind of a thing I did, but it was never really going to be a deep passion within me. And then ended up spending six months in Australia at the Sydney Olympic Games, kind of caught hold of a bit of a passion there for what church could be after seeing Hillsong Church in Sydney. Came back to university here in Leeds, studied here for three years. And while I was there, connected in with Abundant Life Church, which was really the start of, I suppose, my committed church building journey, uh, where I just got stuck in and involved. And um, I was sharing with our college students recently how I didn't realize I was leading till I looked around and saw people working with me and I realized I was in a place of leadership, but leadership wasn't something that I was looking for, aspiring for, ambitious for. It kind of came through responsibility, kind of came through me just taking responsibility for certain things that I was, that I just thought were important in church life. And before I knew I'd graduated university and then spent a year back at Hillsong in Sydney at Bible College. At this time, me and Abs had become close friends. Ooh, and um, There's a whole podcast there. There is, for February. <laughs> and then after graduating from Hillsong College after a year, I felt, I really just felt, I've always felt a passion for the United Kingdom, which Abs is always like, couldn't that have been for somewhere hotter right. and nicer? But I'm like, there's always been something, a call of God I sense just for something in the UK. So I came back 
beginning of 2006 and worked in some just uh, regular jobs in City of Bradford. And, um, and then in 2008, myself and Abs got married and that year also came on staff as the youth pastor of Abundant Life, working with um, Paul Scanlon and Stephen Shaw Gamble and came alongside that and did that for many, many years and still have youth involvement now through Rock Nations and YA movements. So still have a, a big impact into the lives of young people. That's a, still a passion of mine. Right. But then in 2008, we started this crazy journey of, um, of exploring what it would be like just to have a gathering of people in the city of Leeds because Bradford and Leeds closely, uh, close proximity to each other. So there were a few people coming from Leeds, but it was, we really, what we embarked on was what was called an extension service, right. which had no structure, no staff, no budget, um, it had nothing right. other than a other than an idea accidentally came about because we had, ran, ran a young adult event in the Leeds Uni one time because the Bradford building was busy for a conference. So we did a young adults event in the student university in Leeds and I remember it went really well and Paul the next week said, why don't we do some more stuff in Leeds for young adults? And I just said, why, why don't we do some more stuff for the church? And from that little tiny little conversation came a bigger meeting where we thought, well, maybe we do something a bit more serious. Right. But over the next four years from 2008 to 2012, started this very informal journey. Um, and it was awesome. Like we, we ended up, I mean, I suppose it, it was bigger than I'm making it out to be. Right. Um, we first Sunday, we had 100 and 169 people and 195 people and we were buzzing. Second Sunday had like 130 people. Third Sunday, 100 people. Fourth Sunday, 80 people. And <laughs> Classic it kept, kept planting decreasing growth. for about eight, two months to hit, till we hit around 65, 70 people regularly. Right. And we were in this basement of a nightclub. I remember I went to it. In Leeds yeah. uh, that we had lease on because the, it was gone bust 2008. It was beginning, I think the crisis was beginning, financial crisis was beginning to hit. So lots of businesses were struggling. Right. We ended up taking on this basement, paid a couple of hundred quid a week for it, but I had it permanently. But it was it was just one basement with like a raised floor, a raised uh, like a raised auditorium seating that we put seats back in. And um, for a few years, it was just wild down there really. Yeah. And every Sunday night at 7 p.m. till 8.30, we just had our services and they would normally replicate what the Bradford service looked like. So worship teams were shared and sometimes the speaker would come over and speak the same message. And me and Abs were green as a green. Like we right. didn't have a clue what we were doing. We just had a bunch of friends who we just decided to start with. And uh, that grew though. It started building a bit of momentum. After three or four months, we kind of started going, reversing the trend and started going back in the opposite direction and growing and never really went into huge numbers, but you know, 120 people, 130 people, right. 140 people, 144. Wow, this is amazing. 118. <laughs> that depressing feeling like the week after you have your biggest ever Sunday and yeah, it's like yeah. back to what it was before. Um, and we just knew that the dynamics of an evening church at seven o'clock in a dark, cold Leeds city center basement probably wasn't going to attract families. And can, can I ask just in that season, like what what was your predominant growth? I know the right answer would be like radical salvations of people walking in off the street and no one came from another church. It was mainly lonely adults. <laughs> um, not fully lonely adults, but mainly we didn't have heaps of couples coming. Right. We didn't have heaps of families coming. It was seven o'clock in the city centre in Leeds. So we had a lot of young adults who were singles and young professionals who were singles who would come to the church. Right. Um, the average age was probably between 25 and 35. 
Right. Um, and we, we did have some older couples who were coming, but the timing, I think the time of the service and also the fact that you'd walk down in this dark basement and your feet would be sticking on the floor. It wasn't comfortable. No, it, it, it wasn't necessarily warm, cozy experience. It was quite a, like a rough and ready church experience, which we knew we needed to transition right. building wise, because it was never going to necessarily attract a wider diversity than what we were attracting and what we were attracting was to 25 to 35 year olds kind of mainly younger professionals some were married some were single some were dating but it was that kind of crew and it was exciting times and it was building but we knew there was more to there was knew there was more to reach and come from so that. let me tuck in there so dave abs are talking about the church at what point does a physical building dynamic conversation kick in for if this is going to change we need a change of venue yeah you know some people would probably think that you were in a basement it was vibey you're in the city center of leeds it's got you know it, it, you can't get more central than what the the basement mm. was at why did you think that a building change would help yeah i think it wasn't growing and it, it stuck it plateaued so it plateaued maybe 130 140 150 which was right. great and it was bigger than it was the year before. Yeah. So there was definitely growth within it, but we knew it had plateaued in terms of, I didn't see us hitting 200s, 300s, 400s, 500s in that venue okay. because of the restrictions, even like accessibility wise. If you had, if you had disability, you were struggling to get into that building. There was right. no space to run kids. Um, it was loud as anything. Um, if you know, so it, I just knew we needed to take a step, but we were never in a place to get a building of our own then either right. buy one or lease one. We didn't have enough people to come and we didn't have enough finance coming into the church. So we knew the next step was let's hire a facility on a Sunday that fits our congregation size, our congregation dynamic and our congregation finances. So size, dynamic finances, those three things played a part in us deciding, okay, what is our next venue? That also culminated in us going from an evening service to a morning service. Because I think we started, we started knowing in around 2012, you know, me and Abs were also starting to think about, we'd love our family. Right. And so if we have kids, do we want to bring our kids out at seven o'clock on a Sunday night? Right. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. But we would, we would love to come maybe on a Sunday morning. So I remember having the challenging conversation because Bradford had been our life for so many years on the morning service. Yeah, yeah. That conversation with Stephen Charlotte about contemplating maybe switching from an evening to a morning and the in, the impact that would have on the wider church right. because people were now starting to serve in Leeds and use their gift in there. And so does that take away, but they were very gracious and they were in agreement that that was a decision that needed to be made. And so we stepped out and in September, 2012, yeah. I remember the Sunday, uh, we had our first Sunday morning service, um, in the Queens hotel right in the center of Leeds. If, it's in fact, right by the train station. If you type in Leeds on Google Maps, it will take you to the Queen's Hotel. Like that's how central it is. Right. And the reason we chose that venue, um, it was a good size for us, great location for us. And it was in our budget. I think it was 500 pounds a week. Okay. So we were able to afford that comfortably um, without it being a huge burden every week of church, please give this week because we've got a three thousand pound right. bill to pay. Right. It was like, no, we can afford this, and we didn't want to be an additional burden to the overall life church as it was then. It needed just to be able to be sustaining. And from that place, um, we were really able to start growing. And from that Sunday, like we did, and from that Sunday, every year since then, we've grown. And so, 
the so so I know there's lots of in between this, but you were at the Queen's Hotel. Just give us some statistical data. I know it doesn't mean everything, but what is the data Queen's Hotel? You went from the Queen's Hotel to then the Met Hotel. Well, no, we actually went from the Queen's Hotel to multiple venues, mainly because the Queen's Hotel wanted to start having Asian weddings and they were prepared to pay way more more than us. They were paying four times what we were prepared to pay. Okay. So what started to happen with the Queens is they we were having it maybe fifty out fifty out of fifty two Sundays a year. They were now starting to say, oh, you can't have it next week. You can't have it next month. And there's three in May, you can't have it. And we were beginning to realize the end is near. And you so were at how many people? We're probably at 250 at this point. Okay. So we're beginning to establish maybe 300 people. Right. And so we had momentum and we had growth and our finances had increased and we'd started to take on a few staff. So no longer were we kind of this temporary pop-up, pop-down church. We're, there was a little bit more substance to us right. now. We had life groups. We had a youth ministry. We had a kids church, we had outreach ministries. Um, And so we knew we needed to take, really start looking at another venue. And so I went on the exploration and I've always loved looking at venues. Right. And I started looking on the exploration of where else we could go. And so we started looking at theatres. We started looking at nightclubs. The problem with theatres is you can't get often regular bookings because of shows that come in and out of town. We started looking at nightclubs. The problem with nightclubs is some of them stink and were dirty and too dark. But we ended up being in a nightclub for about two months called Control, which was amazing. The yeah. clubbers would leave at 5 a.m. Cleaners would come at 5.30 a.m. We'd arrive at 7.30 a.m. And there was this transition. Amazing. And it was the diet. I mean, it was booming. I remember thinking those times that Sundays were booming. I remember Phil Dooley preached there and he came out going, wow, that was incredible. Because right. it was. You right. just felt like you were in this like hellhole where God's grace was just amazing. like doing amazing things. But also in the back of my mind, I knew of people who were not coming. And they weren't coming because there was sick still on the floor. The okay. toilets stank. Okay. Um, and and some families, whether you agree with that or not, you could go, it's hardly persecution. But <laughs> the reality is we live in the UK where people have certain expectations when they go to the bathroom right? and when they sit on a chair right. and when they listen to a speaker, they just do. And so certain people were starting to vote with their feet in terms of, we love the church, but this venue just doesn't work. So in that season, you're going from different venues, you're finding, yeah. you know, who can give you it for three weeks, six weeks. Yeah. What What's going through your head as a church builder, the dynamics of teams, the dynamics of like home that people would call, you know, a church as a permanent location. Why didn't you just shift from the city center? Why did you decide, you know, what what's all that about? Yeah, we had options. I mean, you could always go in a school hall, maybe 10 minutes out of the city center, 20 minutes out of the city center. I was always reluctant to consider that mainly because I wanted it to be great transport links where everyone could gather together, but also somewhere where people knew. So if I said, hey, come to the Queen's Hotel or come to Control with me on Sunday or come to this place, that people knew of it. And um, there's, I suppose, there's a little bit in me, which I wanted the venue to be cool and the school halls are not cool. I don't want to sit in a plastic chair in a bright school hall with artwork on the walls. There was an element to me where I wanted it to be like contemporary, cool and Maybe that's a little bit of comparison to other churches that you see around the world where you think, well, if they can do it, we can do it. But we looked at those venues. But what we did do alongside this, which is important, is we realized we needed a midweek space. Okay. Because the church had grown to a point on a Sunday and our midweek stuff was growing. What I mean by that is there was a desire for like small groups and midweek courses and marriage courses and alpha course and things like that, but we had nowhere to meet. So we were still paying additional money to hire hotel rooms or venues on midweek space. So- we ended up finding a, a a space right in the city center of Leeds called 
um, we ended up calling it the hub. And that became our 24 seven space. We had offices there. It was a space of about 130 people. We would do like soul nights there, worship rehearsals there. We did youth there. We did YA there. And for about five years, that became a phenomenal space for us. It was cheap as chips, didn't cost us a lot of money. Right. But we just used that work, that sucker. We used all, stored all our equipment there. Right. And so it became a workhorse for us midweek. And then Sunday enabled us to use different venues. I remember one time for six consecutive weeks, we used a different venue because different venues weren't available. And I was freaking out thinking right. church is going to suffer, you know, die, suffer as a result of this. Cause people, I remember we had to text people where we were going to be the following Sunday. <laughs> so we would have everyone's number and we'd say, Hey, we're so excited about church this Sunday. We're going to be in the town hall. We're going to be in at the city museum. We're going to be in, you know, the O2 or we're going to be in all of um, six different, seven different venues that we've been using. I mean, we've used every venue around Leeds. We, we knew it, but what was amazing in that time was we grew every week. Wow. So what I thought would be actually a killer for us ended up being a bit of a blessing. And where it was a blessing was the church really rallied around serving, around the setup and the set down of church life. Yeah. And I would never do it the opposite. I would never, I would never, the way we've done it is the way I'd encourage everyone to do it. Tell us more why. Because from our initial times as the beginning of Life Church Leads, we just had this ethic, this work ethic, this culture of, do you know what? We are all involved. It's going to take all of us to carry a box, to set up. Right. So we were all getting there early. We were all staying late. Right. Um, like we didn't have the luxury of just turning up to a venue and switching something on and switching it off at the end of the time. Yeah. We do now by the grace of God yeah. and it's a blessing, but I'm so grateful almost like I suppose you could use the analogy of a, you know, a kid who's, you know, who's, who's not always just had a silver spoon all their life, right. but has had to work for some stuff and has had to go through some adversity and some yeah. challenges because it just builds resilience and it builds team and it, and it built my leadership and it built our other team's leadership because we had to work out this Sunday, you know, like we're short on volunteers. We need to get better at recruiting. Yeah. We need to get better at engaging people in church life. So that was, that ended up being, despite it being incredibly hard work, setting up and setting down because we went from half a van to one van to one and a half vans to two vans. Right. You know, when production guys get involved, they want the moon and the moon on a stick. <laughs> and so all our production started growing and then kids church wanted speakers and then they wanted pop-up banners. Then growth track wanted this and then yeah, they want, yeah. and then youth want to take. And before you knew it, we had vans upon vans coming in. Right. Um, and then and there's the special Sundays. The special you... Easter Sundays, Christmas Sunday. And so, <laughs> you know, before we moved into this venue where we are now, you know, I mean, it was a full on operation. It was a three or four hour setup, three or four hour right. set down. But if you, if you're saying, if you said that during that season of moving and it built something great, like you'd build and instill into a kid, at what point did you and Abs and the rest of the team look and just say, did it, I was what I'm trying to say is, did it ever tip into a point of this is now getting unhealthy? Time, at times it did. And when it, we ended up finding a permanent venue rental on a Sunday, which ended up becoming the Met Hotel. Right. And we ended up being there for about two years from about 2016 to about 2018. Um, and that became great for us. And that was with our biggest time of growth as a church. I think because we were there every single week. Um, built permanence and it built consistency. Okay. So everyone knew and the Met, we weren't like, we weren't here there everywhere, despite that's great for six or seven weeks. And it sounds great, like in a message, Yeah. but the practicalities of that were a nightmare. Right. Cause we had to change equipment every week and change what we're, but yeah, Met, yeah. we just knew, we know where this goes. We know where the plugin is here. We know how, and so we got into a good rhythm on it. Right. And then we started doing multiple services. We did 11 o'clock, we did one fifteen. 
So we were getting there at 7.30, 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning and leaving around three or four on a Sunday night. And I think we knew because the church was growing then and then you're hitting 350, 400, 420, you know, and, and we're doing, and all of this, everything was just creaking. Right. And I'd start to see people look tired. I'd start to hear certain phrases being used. You'd start to hear less people willing to volunteer. And we, you know, as much as we would cast vision and as much as we would honor volunteers and as much as we would celebrate and reward and use everything, every tool in our box, I think certain people were just tired because they'd been doing it for so long. And also we'd been talking about finding a venue for about three years we'd taken offerings to find a venue, you know, mm-hmm. our own permanent venue. Right. And I came to a point, I think we came to a point where we're like, you know, like God, we've, we've got to move on from this one for a matter of integrity and credibility. Cause we've said, this is where we're yeah, going. Yeah. And if we don't outwork the vision that we've said, people often start questioning the integrity or credibility okay. that we have. So I said, we're going to get a venue. God, you've got to help us get a venue. Plus also I knew there were better level. I knew there was better in us in terms of our production, our sound qualities, our kids church experience. As good as it was in the Met Hotel, we knew if we could have our own purpose-based venue, it was going to go up levels. Okay. So this wasn't the prize. This wasn't the be-all and end-all. And I'm, I don't. I think God would have continued to grow our church in the Met, multiple services-wise. I think if we were still there now, I think He'd have still blessed us, and right, I still think right. we'd have still seen the growth that we have seen. But I just think, um, like a family who can rent a house for years, that's great renting a house, but there's something about having your own house, right. painting a wall your own color, shaping something how you want to shape it, which we did in September of 2018 when we moved in here after a six to nine month uh, building renovation project here on 98 Kirkstall Road, which came up miraculously. And so um, we were getting this building ready while still being in the Met Hotel all that time. And now we've been here just over a year. So now you're here just over a year. Um, what were your numbers this Sunday? Oh, well, I wouldn't know, Rich. <laughs> we had 703. <laughs> we had 703 people on Sunday. That's in one service. That's at the 11 a.m. Okay. And then once a month, we now have a 6 p.m. service as well called okay. Leads at 6. So obviously on those Sundays, we'd get more people, but we're hitting around, we're hitting around that in terms of adults and kids as well. So, so you moved into the building with how many? Um, late, uh, maybe 450. So good growth over one year. Would you attribute that growth, you know, God gets all the credit, but how much of a building dynamic or the timing of a building, what, what would you put towards that? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the only factor. I would say it's a key factor, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's the only factor because since we've moved to this building, some people have left the church. Right. Um, so it's not only been, you know, um, a place of growth. We have actually, there's been some loss as well. And there's reasons for all of that because you, every week you have a commitment to build people and to love people and to build the local church. Yeah. And so, but I definitely, I think what it has done is put permanence here. We're here every day. Um, we're here every week, every Sunday. Um, we're able to shape certain things. So I just think the experience is better. Parking has been a blessing. We now have yep. free parking here. Wherever before in Leeds City Centre, you'd always have to pay for your parking. Right, right. It was only a couple of quid or you'd have to find a space. We now have free parking. Um, you can't miss it. It's on the main road. It's way more visible. And then I think just the tipping point where you know the snowball has just gathered more and more and more snow and it's tipped and the tipping point has enabled it to 
you know, keep growing to a point, but we're not, we're not comfortable with where we are and neither do we think we've made it and neither do we think this is going to continue. We have to work hard at continuing to build this house and all, you know, all of our, all of our campuses to be attractive places for people to come to. But the building has definitely been a positive. And what about the dynamic that you said was a huge gain in terms of that spirit of we're all in this together. Mm. We're all helping with what they call bump in, bump out mentality, yeah. load a van, pack yeah. it down. All of those things, build team, they gel it together. You are now in a building where you can flick the lights on and flick them off. I know it isn't as simple yeah. as that, but it's all stationary. There's no one putting in lights yeah. each week. How do you still keep that within growing your church that you can still, I guess, build on that foundation of we're all in this together? How do you, you know, did you see a slump in that? Did you relax for a few months and just yeah. let people rest in the goodness of what God's done? <laughs> there are definitely some people who who did come off load out and load in teams and had a bit of a time of what shall I do next? And they're almost like, oh, what should yeah. I do now? Um, but most, I would say the majority of people when we're in the Met who are with us serving then are still serving now because really every, everything's the only teams really that are the, the only teams that really needed, we didn't really need anymore was the load in and load out teams. Right. So uh, there might've been eight to 10 people on them per Sunday. They've basically been distributed. And what's been great is because we have some great leaders in those teams who are now running pastoral care teams here, okay, who are now great. running connect teams, who actually real skill was working with people, but, during the Met Hotel days, we just needed them to lift boxes, okay. lift flight cases. Yeah. Now it's great. We don't need you to lift a flight case. And actually their real their real strength and their real skill is working with people. And we've kept our staff ratio quite low. Yeah. So for the size of church we are and the amount of staff we are, I suppose some churches would have more staff. And there's a bit of a purpose to that, I think. It's not just, a, I suppose, a financial place, but it's also um, we want, we want, our volunteers to feel that they're really making a difference. Yeah. That they are, you know, so valuable and they are. And so our kids' church is run by, you know, volunteers. Our youth ministry is run by yeah. volunteers. Um, our volunteers are leading significant areas that in a lot of churches would be paid roles. Yeah. But in church life, we, we our, our kind of plan is that the staff support those volunteers. Right. So what do you need to make your role happen. Right. So do you need stuff ordering? We can order it. Do you need stuff, you know, sending out? We can send it out. But the leadership really still comes from those volunteers. So it's basically all hands on deck. We need everyone involved. Yeah. Um, and our serving ratio is pretty good. Could still be better. But it's been, it's, it's, there's, you know, the whole phrase of needed and known. We want everyone to feel needed. Right. We want everyone to be known no matter who you are. And as our church continues to grow, I think that's going to be, continue to be our challenge because certain areas like our band our band numbers don't necessarily need to change because we have four singers we have one drummer we have one <laughs> so we don't need multiples of them but as we we do want multiples to join the team but on a sunday there might only be one serving opportunity right. in those areas and so how can we create more serving opportunities not just on sundays not just on midweeks but even there's people in the church who don't serve in a team who don't serve in an area right. who i really value and see as key part of the church I sometimes think if someone's not doing a certain number of hours or they're not in a certain team, it's yeah. like, well, they need to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, no, I don't need them to be. I'm quite happy for them to be here on a Sunday, amening, yeah. responding, their right. heart and soul into the church. They're fully committed. They're just names not on a rotor. Yeah. So I would say that our church team is way bigger than the numbers that we have just on Sunday serving teams. On a rotor somewhere. Yeah. Right. The needed and known goes beyond rotors and it's 
connection, spirit connection with people. Spirit connection is heart connection. It's people who are praying, people who are giving, um, people who are bringing people, um, people who are, you know, there's some, there's some amazing people who are just, I would say, advocates for the church, just right. ambassadors for the church. And they're not, they're not in a pastoral team, host team, production team, worship right. team, but they are on, they are in the team of the kingdom of God in our church and are crucial players Amazing. and have influence and have yeah. weight and have authority, spiritual authority. And those people are really, really important. So good. Um, just backing up on all the church stuff. If, you know, as I thought we were chatting this week, someone rang me and he said, didn't know we were having this chat. He said, oh, Rich, what would your advice be? They're like, they're looking for a venue. The down south, it's in London and they're getting kicked out of their current venue. And he asked this question. I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to ask Dave the question. I tried to answer it myself. He said, he said, what's more important, Rich, location or the right space? Which one do you compromise on? So by right space, it's like, do you go for great location, but you're just going to have to sacrifice a few. You might not have the room right size for toddlers, and there might not be this for the youth, or there might not be the right PA equipment. Or do you go for, actually, we can get every piece of equipment every right space but the location is not as ideal where does that land with you yeah it's a good question and it's the same way i'm we're trying to buy a house at the moment right <laughs> and the same question is about you know is it location which often costs more or do we go for the space and we're wrestling that because we ultimately want both so i think the answer would be both i think you want the right space in the right location okay. but if you have to choose I, I i think the dynamics that you have in a 90 minute two hour service are crucial and when I say the dynamics, the atmosphere that is created, um, and there are external factors to creating that atmosphere that I think are really important. But I think we, I don't want to overplay this building thing because, you know, I posted something yesterday on Instagram, which, you know, things don't build churches, people do. Right. You know, venues don't build churches, people do. Uh, and I remember, do you remember years ago, I used to say, well, if we can't meet in a building, the government kicks us out, we'll meet on the park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll meet on the train station, you know, and it's a great kind of, you know, great kind of rally call. Yeah, the reality is how many, how many of us actually want to meet there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not many of us, but there is an element to it, which is true, which is if there is a party happening, I always think of this, if there's a party happening and the right people are at the party, you want to go to the party. Great. And you don't really mind where the party is. Yeah. You just want to be at the party. So get the right people in the right space at the right time. And I would probably go the space, the space is more important. And sometimes we're really ambitious as church leaders and like, oh, we want a 2000 seater, you know, right. well, no, you don't. If you've only got 200 people, yeah, yeah. you want your building to feel tight. You want it to feel compact. Yeah. You want it to feel like there's echoes throughout going on throughout the room. And you want there to be a little bit of space for growth and what comes next. Um, neither do you, do I think you should put your building in a, you know, a, a street where it's, full of crime and it's safe, unsafe to walk down yeah. or a place that's dangerous or a place that's just, you know, controversial, there needs to be wisdom with it. Yeah. But I would say space, the space that you choose is, is crucial. Yeah. Amazing. I answered it slightly differently, Dave, but I won't tell you my answer. <laughs> it just wasn't as good. What was it? <laughs> I said, um, I, it's, it's, it, there's some similarities, but I just said essentially what is in the leader's heart and what's their vision if they want to reach, you know, people who are city centre type people who are coffeeing all the time, don't put yourself on the outer ring road in a shopping mall that mums drive to. Like, I just, I suppose that's where I went to, which is, it's got a match with who's leading the church. And 
and you can create space and you can make things work. But if you take an outer ring road church and you're trying to get university, you know, you're really trying to hit mm. university. You just shot yourself in the foot because university students mm. are not going to drive to a retail park because most of them don't own cars or, right. you know, it's that kind of, that's kind of where I went with it, but I prefer your answer, Dave. So we'll go with but that. Also one. the practicalities, you have to work with what's in your hand. Right. And, and if you have 300 pounds a week to spend on a venue, you know, you might have to change your location and you might have to change your space. Right to facilitate the budget that you have. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have great ambitions because we want this. We might want that and that might be part of our journey. My heart years and years and years ago, I remember sharing it with ours, was if I could have a church anywhere in Leeds, I'd have it on Kirkstall Road. Oh, wow. And I always felt this God prompt to have something on Kirkstall Road. It's the biggest road leading in and out of Leeds. It's just nonstop traffic. Um, it's two minutes outside the city centre. Uh, it feels safe. It's just got. A, it's just a brilliant place. But we were never in a place financially, spiritually, yeah, team-wise, yeah. congregation-size to even contemplate that in 2012, 13, 14, 15. But as we grew and as God continued to work with us, the opening came at the right time. Right. So sometimes you have to go through some control nightclubs, some Met hotels, some Queen's hotels, till you get to the right space in the right location. For me, this ticks both boxes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Total different switch. We're coming towards the end. Um Massive congratulations. Dave's had twins. Oh, thanks, Rich. It's happened. I should have said it at the start. Dave yeah. is... Drifting um, off to sleep right Six now. weeks? I'm somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. 14th of December they were born. So many X amount of weeks. I can't work that on the spot, but mm. it's, a, it's a few weeks. Two beautiful, yeah. a boy and a girl, um, Gabriel and Saren. Yeah. You've also got Jay and you've got Sonny. So now you're a family. You've gone from a family of yes. two kids to four kids. We're getting yeah, a seven seater. They're the best. Yeah. So I'd just love to yeah, know your so, take. You're, you're you're pastoring a church in a large city, both you and your wife. What's your overall kind of I'm not mantra is the wrong word, but kind of philosophy of ministry and raising family? Because there's a huge amount of demand. Mm. You've only been back a week and a half or two weeks from from mm. uh, your paternity. You're up, you know, you're, you're running on minimal hours sleep. What is, where's your philosophy at a kind of landing? I know we've chatted about it before. Yeah, I don't know if this is coming from Bring a tired on, place <laughs> or a tired, weary soul, but I've never been right. massively driven. Right. I'm quite relaxed, which can drive some people into frustration sometimes. Um, and what I mean yeah. by that is I'm focused yeah. and I'm concentrated on growth. And so, I'm passionate and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm ambitious, I suppose, in terms of we want to build a large, awesome church here in Leeds. So that's 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 a non-negotiable. So there's a definite there's definitely a focus in me, but I, I I'm not necessarily right. whatever the cost right. kind of, you know, I'll sell this or I'll sacrifice that or I'll go without five days of, you know. I'm much more relaxed. I'm much more into if we plant seed and if we water seed, it's God who brings the growth. So as our church has grown over the last year or two or three or four years, I can't really pinpoint and go, it's grown right. because we did this, or it's grown because I did this, or it's grown because she said that. I think it's grown because God has just brought people to us and God has been gracious and, and God has God has grown this house as we've committed just to plant right. and water, plant and water. Right. So I think my philosophy 
it is quite relaxed in terms of God will build his, yeah. Jesus will build his church where we, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, he, he's commissioned us to build it with him. Um, but we're just trying to navigate what it looks like as a family, because we want to be relaxed with that, but it's not easy. And so I, I've, I just heavily rely on team, heavily rely, heavily rely on our, on our staff just to be, just to pull it together. So there's not really an us and them. It's kind okay. of, we're all in this together. So I don't feel like I need to be at everything. I don't need to feel like I need to be the one who's saying everything. It's like shared yeah. responsibility, yeah. like try and create leadership everywhere. And sure, we might be the the main leading voice on this campus, but yet you go through this campus and there's the leadership voices kind of coming, coming from everywhere. Uh, because I don't want, I don't want this church only to be good if we're here and it's not good if we're not here. And you know, I want this church yeah. to be good full stop. Uh, because it doesn't rely upon me and abs and it doesn't rely upon Stephen Charlotte. It relies upon all of us, all of us playing our part. And so, um, I'm, I'm not the kind of leader to have like, you know, vision for the next two or three years. I'm a bit more discerning, I think, or you could call it spontaneous Ooh, or prophetic in terms of its leadership, in terms of, I kind of sense where the church is at or what I sense what God is saying, or I sense what's our next step. And then I feel we just take the next step. So for the next couple of months, our next step is going to be build around right. marriage and relationships. I feel that's an important step to take. Um, the last couple of weeks, it's been around prayer and just stepping up that spiritual temperature. So it's kind of, if you ask me what's God going to do and what's our plans for October as a church, we don't really have them, but we have yeah. plans for the next few weeks. And from there, we take it step by step and just build week in, week out. And I always say, if we can build this Sunday and what we built on last Sunday and we just build layer upon layer, that's where momentum comes. If we can do, if we can do the right things consistently well over a period of time, yeah, that's and, where we'll and see I'm, the growth. I'm reading between the lines, but, but by approaching church building in a kind of week to week, month to month way, you're releasing space and pressure off your family life because you're not driven it, and it's a little bit more yeah. relaxed that way. Yeah, and I don't have plans. We don't have plans for you know what our 2021 vision. We want to do this. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, at the moment, I kind of want to get through today <laughs> and get to tomorrow. And some people might think we need a bit more vision for the church, but my job's not to provide really vision for the church. Stephen Charlotte are the senior pastors of the church. Yeah. My job really is to steward this campus as well as we can. And so, yeah, I suppose we go weekend. I suppose I wouldn't go Sunday to Sunday, but I'd go these next few months. This is our emphasis. Okay. But really it doesn't change. It's like we want to speak the word every week. We want to help people midweek. Yeah. Um, we want to put on some outstanding events, which people are happy to bring people to, strengthen the core of the church, strengthen the soul of the church, give people opportunities to grow and to lead and also have massive fun, really enjoy it. And um, just take it step by step, really, and, and, and go from there. So good. I'm going to ask you one last question because we've talked about it before and I could talk all day, definitely. Mm. But the question is... Um, Give me, I know them because you've told me them before, but give me your, th I think they're three, three main things that are the main things that you should just concentrate on Sunday. And they're so basic, right. but they're the ones that you're like, if you just do these three things well, mm. you're going to knock a Sunday out of the park and you're pretty adamant every time we talk about it, you seem to always weave back to these three th same things. Yeah. I mean, I think we think what's going to grow a church sometimes doesn't. And then we're disappointed where we haven't grown, but yet we've tried this yeah. new thing. For me, I think, I still think it's the base. I'd call it the WWW, the worship. Well, the welcome, the worship and the word. 
Um, and when I say the welcome, what I mean by that is what is the smile on the arrival like? What is the connection like? What yeah. is the the culture of receptivity, the culture of family, the culture of being relaxed and yeah. just, hey, good to see you. It's not intense. It's not striving. It's not too much, but it's just there. And that applies to kids' church as well. So making sure that our kids are really welcomed, that every age is really welcomed. Then when it comes to our worship, that our worship is, is excellent, that our worship is thought through. Yeah. My my aim, because my aim, I suppose, when it comes to worship, and I'm a wannabe worship leader, <laughs> but when I look around the auditorium and I see hands raised in the air, yeah. for me, I know it's a bit of a narrow measurement stick, but I'm like, for me, that often signifies whether whether our worship is hitting the spot or not. Yeah. And I know we're worshiping God, so we yeah, can't yeah. gauge it on that. But people who just have hands in the air from the front to the back, left to the right, those who've been saved for years, those who've been saved a week, those who yeah. are going through cancer, but arms in the air singing anthemic songs that are declarative yeah. about the goodness of God, praising God, having faith in God. And so making sure that that atmosphere, that temperature of worship is right and the band dynamics are right. And then when it comes to the word, feeding the people, feeding the church every week with relevant word, scripture that is faith-filled, makes them think, um, makes them be able to discuss it with their family, with their partners, with their friends, with their small groups that they're able to think about it midweek at work, that it makes sense that they're able to hang things off it and build upon that. So it's not just necessarily a one-off message last week, but hey, you know, we're talking about the fruits of the spirit and what does that look like? And one week we're on this and the next week we're on there, but it's all connected. I think if we can just work at creating great welcome, great worship, great word consistently, it really helps churches grow. Taste of coffee is good. Car parking space is good. All of those things help. But I really still think people are coming to church. Primarily, I still think they're coming for those three things. They're coming for the worship. You could call it community. But yeah. I mean, they're welcome. You welcome, could call yeah. it community. The welcome, the worship experience, and then the word experience. Amazing. Not like the American church that said it's about worship, teaching, and fellowship. And they hung banners that said WTF. <laughs> <laughs> only in america we love them hey yes. um, how do people find dave niblock i know you haven't got a book out yet or I... you you know you've not got a, a, a massive teaching series online but um yeah. what's your instagram handle and then uh you can at dave niblock is on instagram and on twitter and, and on facebook which i don't use much but i'll happily message anyone back direct message them on instagram and... twitter or contact us at the church email Dave Nibbleock at lifechurchhome.com. And although Abs is on maternity, she's still pastoring. She's what? Abs at Abs. Abs Nibs. Abs Nibs. N-I-B-S, yeah. At Abs Nibs. Awesome. So we'd love to help chat, talk, help anyone through any of those things and lessons that we have learned and are definitely still learning. But um, well done, Rich, as well for making this work. I think it's brilliant that you've um, taken the time to make all these podcasts and uh, good on you. Well done. So there you have it, the conversation that I really enjoyed with Dave Niblock, and I really hope you got some good stuff out of it as well. Dave's wisdom and passion for building church is something I love being around, and so you've had it as I've had it, and it was a great, great conversation. And thanks so much for tuning in, really appreciate it. Feel free to share or pass on through all the usual means, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Let's Build Church.